It's the Savvy Citizen Podcast, brought to you by Gaston County Government. I'm Adam Gobb. Today on the show, it's a whole bunch of people. We got Janet, we got Adam, we got Elizabeth, we got Justin, we got Vincent, and we have Dr. Greg Greer. And we're all going to be talking about why there's so much work going on behind the scenes going into Hope Fest, a cold weather shelter, and what the work is that the county's doing to help those experiencing homelessness. A major concert event is coming to Belmont this September. The legendary Marshall Tucker Band will highlight the Soundtracks Music Festival on Saturday, September 30th. Ben Chapman and today's Yesterday Band will get things started with other bands performing at Belmont bars and restaurants throughout the day. More information and ticket sales are available at downtownbelmont.org. Welcome back to another episode of Savvy Citizens. Today we are talking about the Manager's Award, which this year went to uh, volunteers of the Cold Weather Shelter. Um, it was a group of folks who volunteered throughout the winter of 2022. That was this last year, right? <laughs> 22 to 23, um, and volunteered to stay overnight at the Salvation Army, where the county and a bunch of our partners set up a cold weather shelter where people could go and keep warm out of the cold. Um, so welcome, everyone. So joining us today, we have Dr. Greg Greer, who works for um, Gaston County Department of Health and Human Services. Greg, do you want to give us a little introduction? Oh, have yeah. you been on the com podcast before? I you have. have. Good okay. afternoon. I'm well, Greg Greer, the D Director of Community Support Services. Thanks for having us. And we've got Vincent Wong here from the manager's office. Vincent, do you want to give us an introduction for yourself? No, I'm Vincent Wong. I work in the manager's office, uh, public safety manager. So you all are also involved in the organization of this cold weather shelter, right? Can you tell us a little bit about what's involved in organizing that shelter? Um, the big, the biggest thing is um, coordination and collaboration, uh, ensuring that we have a facility that we could use within the communities uh, that we think that uh, people who are experiencing um, homelessness uh, can go to. Uh, partnership around uh, where that facility will be. Also, um, asking for people to volunteer to man those shelters, also having a law enforcement presence, which requires some funding uh, as well. Uh, and it's the biggest thing is uh, the willingness to serve. So uh, we have a couple of people today who uh, actually volunteered overnight at the shelter. It's This is a little bit of a weird interview setup because Janet, who's hosting, is one of the volunteers and, you, one of, <laughs> and also one of the recipients of the award. And so was Vincent and Adam. Nothing we do here is normal. <laughs> <laughs> and also Justin, who is sitting um, over to the side. And, and lest we forget Elizabeth, who is talking right now, who yeah. also volunteered several times yeah. and helped with a lot of the court, most <laughs> of, of the, the organization. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so you, it was it was really an all hands on deck effort. Um, what is involved in volunteering for the shelter? Um, well, I can share some of my experience. And if y'all want to speak to the experience that you had when you were volunteering as well. You can hop on in, but um, basically uh, the shelter uh, this past winter, um, this upcoming winter, who knows, maybe we'll do it slightly different. We haven't really gotten around to the planning point yet, but at least for last winter, what we did was um, the Salvation Army opened their doors at 8 p.m. Um, and so folks, anyone could come. Um, there were no... Uh, kind of background checks. There were no drug tests or anything like that. So it was um, what I, I believe HUD calls it a low barrier shelter, just meaning that anyone who needs to stay warm can come. Um, 
So when folks show up, basically you just help them set up the cots. Um, we might have a snack or a little bite to eat, just depending on if there's uh, were donations or something like that. Um, and people just get set up and pretty much go straight to sleep. They might chat a little bit while they're falling asleep, but people are pretty much tired when they get in, so they go to sleep. And volunteers just um, basically hang out and uh, be on call in case anyone needs anything. Um, we did two shifts, so we had um, some people volunteering from 8 to 1 a.m., I think, and then 1 a.m. to 6 a.m., um, and so the second shift of folks would uh, help wake people up and um, get them a snack and a hygiene bag and get them out the door at about 6 a.m. A lot of people were wondering why we um, woke people up at 6 a.m. And that was really just because other people who stay at the Salvation Army come down for breakfast at that time. So the folks were sleeping in the cafeteria. So we just had to clear the cafeteria to be ready for breakfast. So it sounds like, so the volunteer shift is more of, you're just there to kind of oversee, op, over, not operations, just oversee people coming in in the mornings and then, or coming in at night and then leaving in the mornings. You're not really there to um, really do much else, right? Just kind of hang out and make sure everybody has what they need. But mm -hmm. there's no kind of like activities you're doing because they're trying to sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Not really. Um, so the... The way it works is the Salvation Army usually has one staff person who's staying overnight. And that person is in charge of the whole facility for the whole night. So the volunteers are basically there to be backup for the one Salvation Army staff. Um, just as an issue of safety and security, just making sure that that staff member is safe. And, and also that everyone who's sleeping, staying in the cafeteria is safe too. So I'll ask another question for all of you. Do you have any idea how many how many nights was it open this winter? Yeah, so the shelter opens when it's projected to be colder than 32 degrees. Um, and when we were able to actually have staff and um, the off-duty officer available. So somewhere around, I, I think it's 20 days. Okay. Yeah. So that's roughly 20, 20 days or 20 nights, I guess, that it was uh, freezing and to the point that it was temperatures that someone couldn't maybe couldn't survive if they weren't sheltered, right? That's correct. So, okay, so volunteers go in around, you said 8 p.m., and leave sometime earlier in the early hours of the morning. Um, can you tell me about, a little bit about what, um, what, the, what the experience is like for the people who are using that shelter? The feedback we heard, and we heard good and bad um, feedback, but the, the good definitely outweighed the, the bad. Um, as Elizabeth talked about, they just wish they were um, able to stay longer. Right. Uh, but people were very appreciative that they had the option. Um, they were able to get out of the cold. Um, they were they did have a, a small snack. Uh, and so overall, it was good. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think one of the things that we're, str we're striving for is more consistency. So previous years, it was more of a high barrier shelter where we would the if police was present, they would run warrants and stuff like that. So it would deter people. Here, this year, it was no questions asked. You can use it. But we had to go off of weather projections because you're trying to plan having volunteers there and police officers. So if there's a way to 
do it where there was more consistency. And we've we kind of improved every time we got more feedback. Like uh, the Salvation Army put out a flag right. as kind of notification that the shelter would be open that night. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, we okay. tried to, you know, provide word of mouth of, you know, this is because weather websites are all different that we are going to use this weather website to project the weather. And, and so as long as we can get the staff and volunteers uh, in time to do that, we are going to try to stay open and be as consistent as possible. And this is why I, I think it's so great that the manager recognized the volunteers with this award. Um, admittedly, it was only county uh, employees that this, this was the inter internal county awards employee of the year system. Um, but it wasn't just county employees who volunteered and truly it wouldn't have been able to happen without all of those volunteers. Like um, Vincent said, we ran the shelter about 20 times more or less. And uh, I think we only had to actually cancel due to lack of volunteers, like maybe two times. So pretty much when we put out the call, people showed up and that was really amazing. I think one of the main reasons why it was nominated was because a lot of those freezing nights fell over the Christmas holiday. It may have been Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. Maybe it was just Christmas. Um, the Christmas holiday so that volunteers were having to work when other people were spending time mm -hmm. with their families. Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. Um, right. And New Year's. So a lot of that time was spent by county employees filling in on some really important holidays and missing time with their family. But, you know, they they had a um, good reason to to help help these people stay warm um, over the holidays as well. Yeah. And it worked out really well because the Salvation Army felt comfortable with it being county employees because we already vetted and had background checks. Uh, you have to be careful with vulnerable populations on who you let there. A lot of people wanted to bring their families, but we just because of all the protocols in place, we had to uh, make it um, 18 years or older. Um, but the county employees really stepped up and if it wasn't for them, the organization um, supporting it, the emails going out, and and Elizabeth keeping us organized, uh, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. So if someone wants to volunteer for this come this next winter, what? How should they get in touch, or how? What? What do you recommend they do? Call Elizabeth. <laughs> 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 but no, in all seriousness. Uh, any one of us, they can reach out to. Um, it all does funnel back to Elizabeth around the organization piece, uh, uh, but we can offer a phone number or email address. I would say the best bet is to, um, if they're outside the county and they're not a county employee, reach out to the Salvation Army directly. Okay. They'll have a small application that they'd like you to fill out so they can have some documentation and know who you are and who they're bringing into their facility. And then they can let us know that that person has been vetted by them as a volunteer. And also a lot of people, as they were volunteering for the cold weather shelter, they um, had questions like they wanted to bring in extra snacks or extra clothes or that kind of, you know, in-kind donations. And for that kind of thing, also um, just reach right out to the Salvation Army. I know they have some sp limited space, so they have to kind of time their donations that they receive, like pace them out just so that they make sure that they... Um, you know, how actually the space to put everything. Yeah. I would say if you're a volunteer, just expect to be quiet, be self-sufficient. Bring a book and a tiny little light. Yeah. 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 I think I brought my computer. Yeah. Because yeah. people are there to get warm and, and rest and hopefully get a good night 
sleep. And so the less disturbance, um, you know, the better sometimes, you know, we had some where volunteers would talk or ask questions and stuff like that. And I, I get that's natural human nature, but these people are there to, um, you know, to be there to, to get some rest. So we just try to be respectful. Uh, one, that was one of the questions about kind of what the checklist is or what to expect. And so we were able, um, Elizabeth, again, was able to put a, a one sheet summary of, you know, things that you can do, things that um, the Salvation Army would like you to do and more information about what the experience is like. Another thing people asked, asked about a lot while volunteering is um, about uh, kind of wraparound services or other resources that we can point people to other than just uh, a, a warm bed for them to sleep on. Um, Greg oversees the one-stop shop, which actually is also run out of the Salvation Army's cafeteria. Do you want to speak about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, so the one-stop shop actually um, came out of our Hope Fest um, that, was, that we hailed uh, last summer. Uh, and so it, it really brings... Um, several different resources in one location for easier access to services. Uh, and so, again, we're, we're thankful for the Salvation Army hosting every Tuesday and Thursday from um, 11 to 1. And uh, normally uh, the Department of Social Services is there taking food stamp applications and Medicaid applications. Uh, GEMS is on site all those days as well doing health screenings and checks and also passing out naloxone kits. Um, HealthNet Gaston or Contegra is there doing intake and also entering um, uh, those who are homeless into the homeless management information system. Uh, at times, we have had boat riders who um, helps people uh, obtain their licenses, license or uh, IDs uh, and birth certificates or Social Security cards. So at times, they're they're on site, uh, and we also have uh, mental health provider, mental health and substance abuse providers there every Tuesday and Thursday uh, doing intakes and. Um, scheduling appointments for people who may have, have substance abuse or mental health uh, concerns. You just briefly mentioned the HMIS. The, it's basically the data system that, that folks get entered into when they interact with our continuum of care. This is a lot of <laughs> kind of jargony words. Will you talk a little bit about why that's important and how that helps people actually get services? Yes. So the thank you, Elizabeth. The the system serves as a a a hub, and so it, rather than duplicating services or um, for folks who have we've already worked with, rather than them having to continuously uh, give us their information time and time again, if they're already in the system, um, it, it it provides documentation notation to say um, this service um, is being provided. Uh, they met with this agency previously. Um, and so it's, it's really a, a, a data management system um, to, to help streamline um, service delivery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing I think that contributed to the success of the cold weather shelter is the amount of collaboration that we had with our continuum of care and all the partners who are involved with that. Um, because really the main way that we have to communicate with folks who are experiencing homelessness is through word of mouth. And I, those people who are on the ground every day working with them day in, day out, um, who are members of the continuum of care usually, um, they're the ones who are really referring people to resources like this. So um, I think that is a real gem of a resource in our community. And I'm glad that they were able to help us put the cold weather shelter together. So I have one more question. Do you know how many employees it was that volunteered for the shelter? 
not a rough estimate. It was r- mm. roughly about twenty who won the award, right? He, uh, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, twenty to twenty-five, I think, somewhere okay. around there. It was mm-hmm. a pretty big group of county employees. So, as the group that kind of hosted this this cold weather shelter, do you have anything you would like to say to those employees who? Well, consider I'll do it because considering that all the rest of you all actually volunteered, um, I want to say thank you. Um, without the efforts of our county employees and to each of you who are sitting around this table with me, um, Vincent, Elizabeth, and Janet. Um, and Adam and Justin. And Adam and Justin. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> uh, they're also in the room. Um, without your spirit to volunteer, this would not be possible. Um, and we are appreciative to our stakeholders outside of county government who volunteered. Um, but when we put out the call for the internal call, um, it far exceeded any of our expectations. And again, it's about service and helping people. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And it was a lot of volunteers from all over the county mm-hmm. as well. So not just one or two departments. That's it correct. was essentially every, from mm-hmm. IT to the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, a lot of uh, department directors too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that I want people to understand is we don't have the perfect solution. Um, that's why it was so good to get collaboration from different areas because I think each volunteer had an idea or something that they saw because every night is a little bit different. Um, but we're trying as a community to help people that are experiencing homelessness. And the hard thing is everybody has a different story. And so to say, these are the services that you're going to get and that's the only thing we're going to provide. We're really trying to understand the whole picture and provide all the services that are available, but it slows down um, things a little bit. But I think we're just trying to do the right thing little by little. And we're trying to show that if all of us work together, it's not a heavy lift um, and the burden shouldn't be on one organization. So. You know, the Salvation Army, they had the facility, but they didn't have the staffing. So that's why we brought in the volunteers and and um, help basically staff the, the cold weather shelter. And we're going to continue to try to do that um, throughout. Um, we hope that, you know, one organization will kind of take the lead because a lot of organization has fallen um, to the people in this, in this building. But we're just working to try to do the right thing and help as many people as we can. Incremental steps. Yeah, yeah. If I have a question for all of y'all. So if you could kind of paint a picture of your vision of, um, I don't know, like what are the things that you hope to see in our community over the next like decade maybe that could have an impact on populations like people who are exper- experiencing homelessness or people who came to the cold weather shelter? I think, you know, one, I want people to understand that people experiencing homelessness are human and they need to be treated with dignity and respect. And um, we need to to understand that first. Um, the other part, I think, and everybody here would agree, is we want a dedicated facility, um, a true one-stop shop that uh, has a multitude of services that provides uh, that the community can share and we can have organizations come do workforce development, um, do voter um, ID, or IDs for, for individuals and provide all those resources in one place that's close to uh, transportation. Um, I think having that would help. Um, you know, we're doing stuff on a mobile basis right now. Um, we're getting people out there, but the biggest thing is consistency. 
So you mentioned Hope Fest earlier as a start to the one-stop shop. Do you, there's another Hope Fest coming up, right? Do you want to speak, speak about that for a minute? This is Vincent's baby, so I'll... Okay, I'll, Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> no, so uh, right now, Hope Fest will be September 14th at First United Methodist Church here in downtown Gastonia. We're hoping to be as big or, or bigger, bigger than when we were last year. And the thought around it was um, just to show individuals that the community does care um, and there is hope for them, but it's to get all these organizations together uh, that help um, homeless people or, or unsheltered uh, people mm-hmm. um, that there's resources available. And if we all come together, we can we can make a bigger impact. So we'll have hopefully last year we had people um, that provided free haircuts. We had a store. We had mobile showers and laundry. Um, we had animal uh, the local cost spay neuter program that provided uh, food and vaccines for individuals um just a myriad of services and i think last year we had three people that came that were actually were able to get services and be sheltered yes and so this um hope fest takes the same approach i forget the term you all used earlier but there's not a lot of require you don't have to show requirement or sorry you don't have to show verification that you yeah are low home. low barrier low barrier yeah depend yeah. the thing is every service provider is different and so depending on the grants that they have that fund their services they might have entry requirements for their different programs or services um, but the thing is everyone kind of knows everyone and so if you start talking to someone the chances are they're going to be able to refer you mm-hmm. to the right spot if you're not already in the right spot yeah. So, I mean, Hope Fest is... Uh, what time, Vincent? You didn't say uh, the time. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of the no judgment zone. Mm-hmm. Whatever sir, whatever help or assistance you need, you come and do. One of the other things that was huge was a store where there was all kinds of stuff, um, and people got to choose what they needed and mm-hmm. what they wanted. It wasn't, here, this is what you get. It right. was uh, a true store where people were able to get the things that they needed. and mm-hmm. Hygiene, think- undergarments, plastic bags totes just tons of stuff they're able to get a meal and some even got a meal to take with them and some Um, ice cream we passed out ice cream Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, we really wanted people to feel um for that time that they're there that we alleviated something Mm -hmm. some burden from them Mm -hmm. that's wonderful greg i know you mentioned it a little bit but like can you talk a little bit about how the opioid work is tied into the homelessness because it seems like there's a lot of overlap between those two and so how do you guys kind of utilize the resources we have for for um from the opioid opioid settlement funds i swear i can say that um in dealing with some of the the unhoused population that we have uh great question adam so um I go back to something Vincent mentioned earlier in regards to stigma. So one of the first things in regards to opioid settlement funds is we understand that language matters and that um, at times people go through rough patches. And so uh, we're here to serve. And so removing stigma is one of the first things um, uh, that we just ask and that we um, try to help people understand and educate. In regards to service delivery specifically, um, we know that uh, transportation is a barrier. Uh, we know that oftentimes people who are unhoused or um, are homeless do have substance abuse issues. And so we are really trying to tailor programs around um, the most marginalized populations. And so that's that's really boots on the ground in regard regarding um, having 
transportation and providing that transportation, providing peer support, um, not only meeting them where they're at, but going to them as well. And so um, our gyms department has done an awesome job with um, expansion of their community paramedicine program. Um, which is now getting ready to go 24/7, 365, uh, and 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 part of what they do is not also not only um, health checks, but again passing out naloxone kits, um, so that if someone does um, experience an overdose, um, that that kit is readily available to someone that may be around them that they can, that can be utilized, um, so that. We're not losing a life, but we're saving a life and then hopefully wrapping around services around that life um, so that uh, they're no longer addicted to uh, opioids. And also um, back to transportation. Again, that's a fundamental need. <laughs> um, and so how can we provide services without providing the opportunity for them to have the transportation to get to those service services? So we're really trying to tailor it um, as in a holistic approach and person centered. So Justin's the chief of staff in the manager's office, a friend to the show and a friend to everybody here. But you were part of the committee that kind of did the awards this year and stood in there. So from your vantage point, from the people that served on the committee, why do you think they wanted to award all the individuals with the manager's award for, for volunteering? And what was those conversations like? From From the part that I was in, I was not a part of the selection committee per se um the manager's award is sort of outside of the uh, regular employee of the year um, process but um they were all part of the same nomination uh, they all went through the same process at the beginning i think from one from my perspective the reason that um, the cold weather shelter was selected um, was everything that you all have already mentioned it it showed collaboration between um, county departments. It showed collaboration between the county and nonprofits, um, Salvation Army, um, as part of the Homelessness Prevention Committee work that's been going on for two years. Um, so I think from our Dr. Eagle's perspective, from the manager's office perspective, it was clear uh, which of the entries that we reviewed, of the submissions that we, we reviewed, um, sort of rose to the top and uh, had that spirit of what we look for in, in a manager's award um, that shows collaboration and interaction with community and making a difference in your community. So um, I think it, it it very well speaks to what you all have spoken about um, this afternoon. And um, it was it was clear that the, the work that was done clearly impacted, had a positive impact on the community, and um, it was, you know, very well done. So from, from my perspective, it, it, it was probably – of all the of all the um, employee of the year processes that we've reviewed, it was the one, it was one of the best um, in terms of what the manager's award means. It was very clear, you know, that it was a you know rose to the top very easily. And I think Janet mentioned it. It kind of went around to all the departments, all of the position titles, you know, um, and. You know, our motto at the county is excellent public service every day. And these, everybody that did it, did it just because they wanted to help the community um, and did not expect anything um, to be rewarded. Um, in fact, uh, Justin stepped up and, and bought gift cards for the individuals uh, for a cup of coffee for, for volunteering. Um, and so we were trying to do little things to acknowledge 
the impact that they had and it goes way f further than us sitting here around talking about it we had a lot of a lot of people and a lot of helping hands I, I agree a hundred percent if you remember back to that time around Christmas and it was so cold like you know there were some there were some towns within the within the state that they were, like their water pipes were freezing and so it was a very difficult time for people to be outside and unhoused just like it is right now when it's so hot so you have to, we have to look after each other and um, I think uh, the cold weather shelter is a good example of our organization looking out for our community so Great job, everybody. I got the, the privilege of sitting in on the committee um, the last two years, and I recused myself from city, from the conversation about the cold weather shelter because I was involved in it. Um, but I know in talking to some of the folks that are on the committee, um, just in general, uh, Renee Crump, who's one of our librarians, who's been with the county for over 40 years, um, she's been on the employee committee for the Employee of the Year since it started more than 20 years ago. And she said that like the group of volunteers that we had this year um, and the award winners across the board, she said the nominations were just outstanding. And I think that really speaks to um, how dedicated we have our, our employees are in terms of um, going above and beyond. And, and this is one of those things where, um, you know, Elizabeth mentioned it and Greg mentioned it and, um, you know, it, you're getting outside your comfort zone. You have to be willing to, um, you know, maybe interact with folks that you just don't normally th maybe think about or, or would have the ability to spend time with. But for me, um, it was eye opening because, um, things that I take for granted are, you know, very little things, just being able to be inside, be warm, um, be able to have just, you know, some, some food to go out. Like it can change somebody's entire perspective when they're basically coming from nothing. So that to me, um, was, was one of the things that I took away from it. Yeah. I think the other thing I just want to add, and we already got an award, so I'm not brown nosing or anything, <laughs> right, is that when we talked about in the manager's office there's no hesitation to send this out to our employees and see if they wanted to volunteer which i think speaks to the culture we have yeah that's a here. good point well thank you all thank you dr greer and uh adam justin vincent and elizabeth for joining us ready to celebrate with your community then come join gaston county public health for the second annual walk and roll together gaston it's a chance to celebrate the Hispanic and Latino members of our community. It's all happening Saturday, October 7th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. in downtown Gastonia. Visit gastongov.com and click on the community calendar for more details. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office with hosts Janet Schaefer, Dandrea Bradley, Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Next week on the show, we're talking about the urgent repair program in some of the things that you may not know that county government offers in terms of being able to help you get some fixes that are needed for your home.